Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Hi, how's it going? Somebody can hear me. All right. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. So grateful for camp. How many ever went to camp and got touched by God before? Come on, sometimes you got to get away from the city, the phones, get away from all this stuff, and just listen to God. We used to take the, um, our discipleship to Christian renewal every year, at least uh, for uh, one weekend, and just, I never left that mountain without being touched by God, amen. So God is into us as we draw close to him. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and guess what? Get close to God, what happens? He gets close to you. That sounds like a good deal, don't it? I mean, for one time, for, for some reason, I think he, we get the better deal because, I mean, God got to draw nigh to us. I mean, he's up in heaven smelling all the beautiful perfume of praises and worship. And, but you, if we say, God, I want to draw close to you, he's like, I'm coming close to you because I love you. That was a great uh, uh, lesson from Sister Rachel. She really does a great job with those uh, object lessons, and Trevor's right, sometimes they're better than our messages, <laughs> you know, but the thing about me is I, I preach like a kid sometimes, sometimes I, I, people say, you're, you're a kid in an old man's body, and I know, I know my body is getting old because we did moving, we did some moving, we finally, we live in Salem, hey, we live in Salem, come on now, I'm a Salem knight, is that what you call them? Okay. You know, they'll be like, dude, where are you from? I'm from the hood. I'm from Salem, Northeast, bro. Come on. I like it. I felt right at home. Felt like I put a glove on. People are friendly. People are kind. Got to kind of look out to your trivial vision sometimes, but it's all good. You know, you know, I'm just, I'm excited about prayer. We had prayer this week for the first time, uh, three days a week. Thank you so much, Trevor. You know, Trevor is such a blessing, man, isn't he? Give, give the Lord a hand for Trevor. I hope a lot of you guys got some dirty cars because we want to bless them as they go into the land and do the work of the Lord because we don't ever want to get to a place where it's all about just Salem first. You know that? You know, to be to deny oneself, it means to be selfless or not selfish. And as we go and have a vision for countries and for worlds and for nations, for people, what happens is we bless others, God's just going to bless us. I love that scripture, and I said it last week, that in Proverbs it said, whoever waters shall be watered himself. Think about it. Every time you give out something for God and you do something for God, God's up there with the pouring back right into you, and that's a blessing. But anyway, this prayer meeting, let's get back to the prayer meeting. This is fun stuff. It's hard work. You know, how many know that when you labor in prayer, it's labor, really, truly? Especially if you're going to be there at 6 in the morning. Come on. I mean, that's, so I came down here before Starbucks even opened. I'm like, dang, Lord, you're really pushing me out there. You know, I'm about to have to get me a thermos beforehand or something like that. But we, we prayed three days. We pray Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 6 to 7. Faithfully start on time, faithfully quit on time. One sister said to me, uh, is it right if I come? I'm going to be a little late. For, I'm gonna be, I have to be there 15 minutes late because she had some chores, and she had to leave 15 minutes early to go 
to work. And she said, is that a bad thing? I said, by no means. That's a good thing. Why? It's better some than none. Look, if you don't, if you agree, just shake your head, go like this. You don't have to say amen. Some's better than none. You know, God could do powerful things in three minutes, bro. He don't take, always take an hour to do stuff. Even though we do want to pray an hour, because what did Jesus say to his disciples? Can you not wait one hour? Just one hour, that's all he's asking. And I'm not saying that uh, many of you, I know many of you are pray, praying people at home. And I would love for you to join us, even if you couldn't pray here, we have a list of things that we're praying for. We're binding, touching, and agreeing, and believing God for miracles, believing God for souls, believing God for great and wonderful things here in this church, and here in your family, and here in this community. How's that sound? Come on. That's all right. Give the Lord a hand clap. He's big enough. He can do it. We got a big God. We serve a big God. God is so big and so awesome, man. It's like when, 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 God, when I went through this process of God sending me. See, look, I served in a church for 25 years. Those people were my family. I love them. And I still love them. I always love them. But God called me out and sent me here. Then he sells our house, and we now live in another house. And it went like this so fast. And you know what I told God? I said, God, you're freaking me out. This is crazy. What's up with that? But he was freaking me out because he's so marvelous, and he's so wonderful in the way he works things out. You know that all things, somebody say all things. All things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. If you love God, guess what? It doesn't matter how doom it may look. It doesn't matter how thick the clouds are. It doesn't matter how you feel or what you've done before. Eventually, it's going to come together. Hallelujah. To them that love God and according to the purpose. How many people love God here today? Come on now. You love God, and you guess what? Not only do you love him, but he called you. You didn't just come because, hey, you can put your hand down. It's all good. You don't, you know, hey, I believe you. But check this out. You didn't come to God because you were um, so good and so intelligent because nobody comes to God unless he draws them first. You know that even today, you would not be in this building if God didn't draw you and give you grace to do it. I know some of you do it out of dedication. You're like, man, I'm a, this is my church. We, we saw last week some people been here for 40, 50, 30, 20, 10, 15 years. Some dedicated people. But God allowed you and put breath in your lungs and gave your heart is pumping and you made it to the house of the Lord and you're here today because God in his mercy drew you. That's tight. Good, nice, you know, that means good, you know, hey. It is. I can't believe that God would look down from heaven, way up in heaven, have control over all the earth, will look down at this little guy and say, guess what? I got time to order your steps. What? Oh, go this way. All right. He's ordering every one of our steps. He's intricately involved with you. The Bible says that our hairs of our head are numbered. You know what that means? He knows you so intricately that he has the count of your hairs. And sometimes I was like, Lord, you make me go bald because you're tired of counting? 
Come on, could you give me a lot of hair? Go be the big cow. Well, you know, I'm low on the list now. He said, when a sparrow falls to the ground, one of the smallest birds falls to the ground, our Heavenly Father sees it and has passion for it. How much more important are you than any bird, any sparrow that falls to the ground? You are important. You are, you are sovereign in God's eyes. Actually, God says in Isaiah that he has you engraved on his hand. Your, your name, your face is engraved on God's hand. I know some of you might not understand this, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to, to God, but guess what? God's tatted up with your name. He got your tat on. He's got you engraved in his hand. He knows who's precious. He knows that you are awesome. He's so, we're so precious that he said this, that I'm going to send my son, I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to shed my blood for you, and I'm not going to redeem you with such things as corruptible things, such as silver and gold. You know, corruptible things, silver and gold? Give me some of that. But I'm going to redeem you with his precious blood. Hallelujah. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. He's going to redeem you and bring you back into restoration so we can have fun and fellowship and hang out with the Lord. That's sweet. Now, I don't even need to, do I need to interpret what sweet means? Come on. That is sweet. Come on. That's awesome. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock at your heart. He said, if any man will hear me and open up this door, I will come into him and I will sup with him. I will dine with him. I will fellowship with him. Just open the door. You know, God could bust our door down. You know, he got the power. But he respects us because we're all made in a wonderful image. That image is of God. And the most powerful part of being the image of God is that you have the choice. You have the will to say no to God. God did make robots. He could have. Couldn't he be? He could have been all of us. Right, the Lord. I'm a robot. I serve you. Yes, I do this. No, he don't do that. He made us in his image so that when we come to him and we freely surrender our will to him, then it's a more pleasurable, it's a more honorable thing. You know, I have six kids. If I make them do the lawn and they come back and say they did the lawn, I mean, I, I feel good, but it, it don't really put no goosebumps on my shoulders or nothing. You know, I'm not all excited that much. But, but if they go out and say, you know, the lawn's kind of a little bit high and let me find that old lawnmower and put some gas in there and mow the lawn. And they come back and say, Dad, I mowed the lawn. Guess what? I'd be like, Woo, that's my boy. That's my son, man. He mowed the lawn. I didn't even tell him. That's really, really good. That's the way God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be forced to do things. He wants us to take out of your free will. Say, God, I want to serve you. God, I want to love you. God, I want to do the things of the Lord. Amen? Time for a drink here. This is just water. Okay. I'm not a sipping saint. I'm sorry. Matter of fact, I've been delivered from alcohol. Did, did you all know that I've been saved for 35 years? And I... 35 years! 
I used to be an alcoholic. I used to smoke weed. I used to snort coke. I used to live a very rebellious life. I was pretty bad case. I know when I got saved, after I got saved, some of my family was against my religion, or some people were against my religion, but they were like, you did need to get saved. But we all need Jesus, don't we? You could be a bad sinner or a good sinner, but guess what? We're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not uno. No, not what? We all needed a Savior. But 35 years ago, before that, I was, I, I was on drugs. I was, thinking of dep- I was in the place of depression. I thought of suicide. He was like, Brother Andrew, you thought of suicide? Yes, I did. I had a rifle up to my mouth one time saying, this life is nasty. I hate this life. But God in his mercy stopped me from doing that. And put it in my heart for a New Year's resolution. Go get right with me, bro. You need me, bro. You need a Savior. You need somebody to take away the hardness and the darkness and the blindness of your life. You need to get saved, bro. Like I do? Yeah, you do. So for a New Year's resolution, I went to a church and knelt at the altar and gave my life to God. Come on now. Hey, I work with Teen Challenge, I work with all people, 12 steps, all these different steps. You know, there's, there's 12 steps to everything now, you know that, right? 12 steps to gambling, 12 steps to eating, 12 steps to, for anger, 12 steps to everything. 12 steps to how to not spend my credit card. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of 12 steps. But I took one step, it's called Jesus Christ. I surrender everything. He came in. He changed my life. Hallelujah. Like, I know some of you are probably like, man, I don't know if I could get used to this guy. Man, you're lucky I'm saved now. Man, if you would have seen me before, be like, ah, dude, I'm out of here. But some of you might be saying, no, homie, what's up? We're having a good time. Because before I got saved, people want to hate me. But I have phone calls all the time. You out tonight, I'm going to die with the bro. I'm ready to do it. And sometimes you get so drunk and so crazy that if the drunker, the sicker you got, the cooler it was. I was hanging on a toilet. That's really cool. No, it ain't. It's sad. I was just looking for something to fulfill this emptiness of my dear heart. And Christ came in and flooded my soul and gave me life and a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. Wow, wow, and I'm not trying to brag on me, I'm bragging on the Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, he's the one who did it. Now, Andrew, come on, bro, why you got to yell? I don't know, that's just my DNA. I go to a Blazer game, I lose my voice, and then he still lose, so hey. I should have been rooting for um, Golden State, man, then it would have been worth it, huh? No. All right, all right, all right. This is one thing. Living for God is the greatest honor and the greatest privilege a person could ever have. We don't deserve it. We, we actually deserve worse and, and 
far less than what we get. But Jesus Christ, see, you know, the enemy has a plan for every one of our lives. You know, you know uh, one thing as we grow more efficient, you know, you do it in business, you do it in churches, you do it everywhere. Everybody got a mission plan, don't they? A mission statement. And the, the enemy's mission statement, you'll find it in John 10 and 10, it says, The thief cometh not, but to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his mission. He wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. That's all he wants to do. He got a plan for you. He got a plan for me. Doesn't matter how saved you've been, how many scriptures you quote, how long you pray. It don't even matter if you get up at 6 in the morning and pray. He still has a plan. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to rip off every good thing, every plan that God has for you. But Jesus Christ said in the same breath, he said, but I have a plan. I have a plan for you too. My mission statement is very simple. My plan and my mission statement is this, that you have life and have it more abundantly. Woo! I'd rather take Jesus' plan any day. Come on, steal, kill, destroy, life abundantly? Give me that. I want that life. And we get that life. Because Jesus said, for, this, for the Bible says in John First John, it says, for this purpose was the Son of Man manifested. The reason why Jesus Christ was, came is that he might destroy the works of the enemy. I love that he said he'd destroy. You know, there's something about breaking. We could always put it back together, can't we? Find a way to glue. I mean, we were moving yesterday, and, you know, when you have volunteer movers, sometimes things do get broken. But I ain't going to complain. They're here, bro. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you. But when he gets broken, uh, this one guy, he, I gave him something. He broke his own thing. I was like, bro, you could glue that back together. I said, see how it fits here? You put glue on it, we'll put a little glue on there, turn it upside down. Ain't nobody going to know but me and you. Jesus didn't come to glue things together. He didn't come, uh, so he didn't come to see that we, our lives get fitted together by our own means, our own uh, strength, our own uh, ability. But Jesus said, for this reason was the Son of Man manifested that he might destroy the works of the enemy. When Jesus died on the cross, you know, it would have been, it, see, it would have been all right if he died on the cross. The devil didn't even care. He was like, man, I'm going to kill this dude. I'm, I got him. I got a hit list on him. I'm going I'm to take him out. I'm taking Jesus out. What happened? He died on the cross, and he thought he had it made, didn't he? Well, what happened three days later, bro? Sisters, hermanos, hermanas, quedados, hey, anybody? What happened? He rose from the dead, didn't he? Not only did he rise from the dead, but you know, by, when they went to visit him at the tomb, when Peter went up to the tomb, they found his grave clothes neatly folded right there on the, on the stone. Because you know what Jesus did? He said, dude, I'm filling in for you guys because you all deserve death, but I'm going to give you life, life more abundantly, and I'm going to be here just for one moment, and I ain't never coming back this way again. Let me fold these grave clothes. Enjoy the journey because I ain't being back. Because I'm going to live forever and eternity, and anybody who gives their life for me is going to be the same way. They can roll up those dead man clothes. You could take those dead works, those dead things, roll them up, fold them up, because Jesus has come and he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. 
He rose from the dead. Woo! That's a blessing. You know, the Bible says in Corinthians, if the enemy knew that he was going to rise from the dead, he would not have slew, slew, would not have killed the Lord of glory. Why? Because he got a problem now. You know, it's bad enough having Jesus rise from the dead. But every time somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ, you rose from the dead. Amen. You became born again. You became a new life. And now it does not only have Jesus rose from the dead, but every single one of you that's given your life to Christ, there's Jesus is everywhere. It's blowing, the, it's blowing the devil's mind, man. He's like, whoa, shoot. I wish I would have thought this out. Because now I got Christians everywhere praying and rebuking me and laying hands on the sick and believing God for great things because he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Praise the name of Jesus. You know, that's my, pre that's my opening. Is that all right? Now, I wasn't planning on saying all that, but I'm glad I did. One thing we're going to do for you as a team, my wife and I and everybody else, we're going to be praying and seeking God and believing God. We want to hear from the Lord and see what he wants to say. And I, have, um, I know that when we first, the first service we came here, we talked about a new thing. Anybody been here for the new thing? Come on. You do, who wants a new thing? I'm not saying the old thing's bad, but he said, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you rivers in the desert. And then last week I talked about um, wineskins. With new wine comes new wineskin. And with wineskins, every wineskin that's made, it's made from a death or a sacrifice. So it's a sacrifice to receive the new wine. Remember, we don't, we don't like that word. It's almost a cuss word in, in the church and in the community. You say, sacrifice? <sighs> now, now, athletes, they'll sacrifice, won't they? Athletes ain't even afraid. They'll get up early in the morning. I remember when my wife and I were in D.C., we were right when the it was Olympics was over and the young people were coming. We were at this Hyatt, Hyatt Hotel in D.C. She was in a conference. It was really cool. My wife's doing a conference. While she's doing the conference, I went around touristing the whole time. It was really cool. She's like, man, I got to sit here. Man, I was going to all the monuments. I was going everywhere, man. I was like, this is sweet. But when we were in that hotel, the, 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 the um, Olympians came back. And when they came back, they were young people. I mean, they, were, they almost looked as young as these guys. But they're like star runners, star skiers, star all these different gold and silver medal people and they're just young kids and they're like uh, ready to eat some ice cream they said because I haven't had ice cream for five years come on that's a punishment isn't it that's a sacrifice ain't you gonna have some ice cream today we're gonna have some ice cream today but it's a sacrifice but they were willing to make that sacrifice and most people never see the gold, rarely see the silver, hardly will never see the bronze. But if they do, they get this medal, and that medal is good, but it only lasts so long. You know that a lot of the Olympians that do get gold medals, they need um, counseling afterwards because they hit such a, a high, such a climate of just uh, of reward, but then they're there with, what else do I do now? It's a hard place. 
You know, um, James Dobson. Anybody heard of James Dobson family? You know, he's been around for a while. He's been around the block a couple times. But he, he, he said, I heard him one time, a long time ago, said that he, um, his high school, when he ran track in high school, he got an award for winning some run. I don't know what it was. And he ran this thing and got a, a trophy. And they called him up like about 15 years later, and they called him up and said, hey, Brother James. They said, yeah, if you don't come and get your trophy, we're throwing it away. God doesn't want us to go for trophies that can be thrown away, man. God wants to give you a trophy that's going to last forever. I'm talking about gold, streets of gold. I'm talking about eternal life. Jesus said, lay not your things on this earth that corrupt and steal and just decay, that can be thrown away. God wants us to make a sacrifice so we could have something that will last for eternity. And that's him. You know this Bible lasts forever? My, you know, mine's pretty worn out, but guess what? Not this physical Bible, but his word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but what? His word ain't going to go nowhere. It's going to last forever. So anyway, we talked about new thing, fresh sacrifice, and now I want to start a, ser- uh, a series on atmosphere. Everybody say atmosphere. You're like, cosmetics. Ooh, no, not really. Atmosphere. Let me look this up right here for you. I got my phone out. It's going to be like a um, several weeks on atmosphere. Atmosphere is so important. God always prepared an atmosphere whenever he did something. Usually revivals always start with a certain type of atmosphere. Atmosphere is the surrounding or pervading mood, the environment, or influence. It's a dominant mood or emotional tone, or it's a distinct quality as of a place. We want to have an atmosphere, and we already do. Look, we got a good atmosphere. I, you know, like I said, my, 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 my daughter-in-law came here, and she said, you don't need no greeters. I had 10 people greet me. That's awesome. That's a great atmosphere, isn't it? When you come in with love and everything else. Well, I want to just talk a little bit about atmosphere where God wants us to be, have an atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of prayer, an atmosphere of giving, an atmosphere of servanthood, all different kinds of atmospheres in this church so that when people come to this church, because I believe people are going to come. And who, who all believe people are going to come? You believe people will come? I believe they are. I believe that God is going to multiply this church. I don't know why. God said he's going to multiply this church. And I believe before it's all over, we're going to see thousands come to the Lord. You might be like, dude, this dude is really swinging a long bat right here. That bat must be big. It's like, ooh, thousands. I see it. You don't, but I do. Thousands. But that's all right. We'll stick with where we're at right now. They ain't going to come in overnight because God wants to set up an atmosphere that we have the ability to be able to receive the blessing of God. You want to receive it? I don't hear nobody say yes. 
All right. We want to receive it, Lord. We do. Let's go to, let's go to Luke. Chapter 1. Atmosphere is, is preparation. It's preparing. That word preparing in the, in the Bible is not just like, like Noah prepared the ark. Remember it says Noah prepared the ark. That was physical. That was um, a work. It was a, um, a man, more man stuff, even though God prepared Noah's heart to do it, but there was a preparation there. But God wants to do a preparation on your heart, on my heart, and on this community so when they come, they could get saved, they could get delivered, and they could become disciples, and they could go out and do the things that God called them to do. That sounds really exciting to me. I'm sorry. It is awesome. And so, let's look at uh, just a little bit of prep that God did before. I mean, we know he's doing it all the time. He prepped all the way. He, how many got prepped before you got saved? What, what do you mean by that, brother? I mean, like, when before you got saved, a lot of events happened. Some people, like, in the prison, when I visit those people in the prison that got saved, they, got, they feel like the, that event was good preparation. Don't recommend going that ingredients in that way, but that event is good preparation so that their heart was tender so when the Word of God came, they could have a changed life. Because trust me, when they're rolling with their homies and they're bumping their beat and they're high on drugs and they're and they're packing on the side, that's not good preparation. But when God humbles them, takes away their weapons, takes away their gold, takes away their diamonds, and put them in a place where you can't even tell what time the light goes off, you got to go to the food wherever they tell you. All of a sudden your heart is humbled enough where it can receive that word, and that preparation is making disciples right now. Is that sweet? That's why I say God works everything together for the good. He's preparing us. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 1. We're going to talk about John. What did John come to do? John the Baptist. What did he do? He come to prepare a way. He said no preparation, wasn't he? Actually, he was preparing, let's, well, before I get to John, let's talk about mom and dad first. Let's talk about pops and moms. You know, they're an older couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, good people, weren't they? They walked honestly with integrity, but what they wanted was a child. They were, they were stricken in age. They were a long time without a child, very long, and actually in, um, in those cultures, if you didn't have a child, it was actually a, re- a reproach not having a child. It's like you don't have the favor of God or you, you, there's something wrong with you or God doesn't really love you if you don't have a child. So they prayed, they prayed earnestly for a child and they wanted one. But they were stricken in age, weren't they? And you know what that means? They were getting old where you can't even have babies no more. That's a sad place. You don't have a baby and you want a baby and they've been that way. And it said they were, they were, they were, she was stricken in age and so was he. And then he, why? He was in uh, making sacrifice. 
you know, while he was making sacrifice, an angel of God came to him and showed him, hey, I'm going to give, God's going to bless you with the child. And you shall name his name John. And what did Zachariah said? He said, hey, guess what? I don't know how you're going to do this. Can you tell me how this? He says, uh-oh, mute. Sorry, you don't get to talk no more. Because you don't believe what I just said. You got to believe when God is speaking to you that he's willing to do exceedingly above what we ask or think. Sometimes you just got to mute it ourselves and say, God, I don't understand it, but guess what? I'm going to trust you and believe you. And what happened to him? He, he was muted, but his wife became pregnant with a man, a little baby named John. They didn't name him yet, but they're going to name him. And while he's in the womb and when Elizabeth visited Mary, or Mary came to visit Elizabeth, the Bible says John inside the womb leaped. Wow. When God puts something inside our heart, and when he puts something that, that is real in life, it will have life in there and it will respond. It responded to the seeing of Mary, and it leaped in her womb, and they knew that God had something very special. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 40, said that God was going to send somebody who's going to prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to do some preparation. He's going to call righteousness, righteousness. He's going to bring God's word somehow to these people. He said it many years before. Then Malachi again spoke the same word, said God's going to send somebody. He's going to do something. And what happened? He sent John. And when John, when John was born, um, Zechariah was uh, still couldn't talk. One of the relatives said, you're going to name him Zechariah? And his wife said, no, we're going to name him John. And, and the guy said, but this ain't never happened before. You don't know no John. You don't have no cousin named John. You ain't got no homies named John. He said, no, they could give me a writing script. He wrote it down, and he said, John is his name because God was preparing for a work that sometimes we've never done it before. Sometimes we've never experienced it. We just don't even understand it. But as soon as he wrote down John, his mouth was released, and all of a sudden he started getting his worship on. He was like, hallelujah, glory to God, and I'm going to have me a baby, John. And he said, this John, and he started prophesying, saying this John is going to prepare a way for the Lord. He's going to do some preparation. He's going to set an atmosphere where people can receive the Christ and where fathers will be turned back to children and children back to fathers and that where righteousness will reign once again. That's sweet. He had a plan and a purpose while he was leaping in the womb and he called his name John. But you know what, John, for some reason, he just didn't want to go to protocol for some reason. He didn't want to wear a tie. Did he? He just, he just didn't feel all formal where he had to put a suit on, have a little scarf in there, and do his religious thing. He went way out of the boundaries. Matter of fact, he found himself a, a camel coat of hair. He's like, man, I got my coat of hat. He had a belt of leather. And dude, his food was kind of peculiar too. He ate locusts and honey. You know, I bet you that's probably pretty good. Probably, you know, go online, you know, Google it. I bet you live healthy doing that. I know I like honey, but I don't know about raw locusts. Come on. Get the, that little foot in your, never mind. Be like chicken while you're eating. I'm like, ah. Jesus Christo, help me. 
But they went out to him. Many went out to visit him because God was, people were flocking around John. Many people were coming and repenting of their sins and changing their lives and things was going different. It was a different story at the Jordan now. This guy named John, he had a leather and the hair and he's eating locusts and he's preaching his message, you know, people are like, man, why don't you preach a message that's got more, more, more meat to it? He didn't, have no, he, didn't, he didn't have a big long message. He didn't have no notes. He said, just repent. For the kingdom of God is coming. Be ready. One who's coming, who I'm not worthy to even reach down and loose his, his sandals, who's greater than me, is coming. Repent and come to him. He was preparing. He was setting the atmosphere for Jesus Christ. Wow. You know what? Because Jesus was so holy, is so holy, that for him to come and really do the things that we want him to do, what he wanted to do, there could not be done unless there was a preparation going on. Because if people were still living the same old way, doing the same old things, God could not, he would not pour his spirit upon them. But he prepped them. Say, what do you mean he prepped? Well, the Romans said, what should I do? I'm a Roman soldier. said, quit, quit doing violence. Be content with your wages. Change your heart. Get baptized. Start a new life. That's what you could do. And then the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the most religious people of the time, they're coming like, I don't need no prep. Why do I need prep? I'm a Sadducee. I'm a Pharisee. You know, you know how you distinguish both of them? Sadducees don't believe in resurrection. The Pharisees believe in the spirit and the resurrection. And so to remember, to distinguish them, just say Sadducees are sad, you see. <laughs> now you got to distinguish. But they're coming down saying, I'm a son of Abraham. I don't need to repent. I don't need to change my life. I don't need no preparation. If the Messiah comes, I'm ready. And John said, look, First of all, he called them some bad names. He called them vipers and snakes and all that. I'm like, dang, John, you're really throwing it at them. Man, you lucky you was a Facebook. You would have really been smashed. John throwing it at them. He says, because you think you're the, the seed of Abraham, that that's all you need to be? You think because of your lineage or how you were brought up or how society looks at you that you're going to be different? He says, no, you got to change. He said, look, if you think it's just because you're rich, God's able to take these rocks and rise them up to be kings and priests after the most high God. It's not by what we do. It's not by what we say. It's by who he is. I love Paul in, Gal in, in uh, Titus. He said this, it's not by works of righteousness which I've done. Did Paul do some righteousness? You know I like him, so just say yes. Just say, yeah, he's a Michael Jordan for He better say he did righteousness. He did righteousness. But he said, not according to works of righteousness, which I've done, but according to his mercy, I'm saved. It's not because of who I am. It's because of who he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, go. He said, the axe will be laid to the root of the tree. And he said that if you don't bear fruit, he's going to cut the root across. 
and then he's going to bring forth branches that bring forth fruit. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be prepared. And then finally when Jesus comes to the place, what did John say? He, Jesus wanted to be baptized. John's like, man, you should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, no, baptize me. So I'm setting an example for all of us well, how to really live right. The true demonstration is to live like Jesus, isn't it? You know what Christian means? Really theological question, huh? It means to be Christ-like. To be like Jesus. When people look at us, do they say, oh, that's Salem first, or do they say, that's a Christian. That's somebody who ain't faking the funk. That's somebody who's real. That's somebody who's really, truly living for God. And that's what John was trying to tell those religious people. He wasn't going against them. He was just like, dude, God is not into religion. He's into real life. He's into people really being the real deal. My, my grandson, when, when, um, uh, when I was um, getting married, when we were getting married, my wife and I, I don't know if I said this already, but with my wife and I, he came up to me and said, I want to be a preacher. Did I tell you this already? You got to forgive me because I talk to a lot of people. But you know what? You say, bro, you got to get the gap. Yeah, and I'm using it for Jesus. I want to talk to everybody and anybody that will have an ear like this and just say, bro, I want to tell you, you got good news. Hey! Jesus wants to change your life. But anyway, my, my grandson, as we were walking to the reception area, he was only just, a, uh, what, about six years old or something like that, even less. He says, I believe God has called me to preach. Is that cool? I would say, is that tight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, he goes, I want you to teach me. Do you want to teach me? I said, I'd love to. I said, here's the first lesson. Watch the way I live. Because a lot of people can talk, but not too many people can walk. God wants us to walk this thing out, not just talk about it. Because you know what, if you just talk about, actually, if you talk about Jesus and you ain't walking it out, that's more of a deterrent than to bring somebody to Christ. So he told them, look, I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I don't want you to be a, just a religious person, but I want you to have a relationship with God. You know what the word hypocrite is in, in, in the Greek? It means stage actor. That means a hypocrite is somebody who's so good at looking the stage. I mean, how many like actors? I know like Russell Crowe, when he played Gladiator, man, I'd go to battle with that dude. He's like, yes, it's life. I'm like, yeah, I'd follow him. But you know what? He's just acting. I don't know if he'd even, I don't know if he'd really have the courage to go out to battle. God isn't looking for actors. He's looking for people that will live it out, who have a humble heart and say, God, come in and change my life. Come in and do some wonderful things because I want to do a great work, but I want to have our hearts ready and right to do it. So Jesus got baptized, and we know what happened to him when he got baptized. What happened? The heavens opened up. How many want to see the heavens open up where God comes down and speaks to us and says, This is my son. These are my people who I'm well pleased. I want to please God more than anything. Sometimes when you please God, it don't please everybody. You know that? All going to be haters somewhere. Haters. But when you love God, 
and you please God, it's going to be a wonderful thing because what he's going to do. But God sent John the Baptist because he had to prepare just so that people could even receive the message of Jesus. Sometimes Jesus would take his disciples and even before they would, um, uh, he'd go to a town, he'd have them go preach just to give some preparation, just to open up the door, just to kind of water the ground, to break up the fallow ground so that when Jesus could walk there, he would do great and mighty things. There's a preparation, there's an atmosphere that God wants to do in this church. And I believe that God is doing it already, but I believe that God's going to increase the atmosphere so that people could come and find hope, to find life, to find a joy, to find purpose. That's the good thing. People, want, people are looking for that. We're in the best climate there ever been when it comes to history for salvation of people, in my opinion. Because this world's messed up. How many know it's messed up? I mean, this world's jacked up. And sorry, that means it's really messed up. It's jacked. You, you, you know, we got leaders going crazy. We got uh, different countries that are ready to point missiles at us. It's an unstable time, isn't it? Come on now. I mean, I, we got to face reality. We ain't talking about truth, bro. But the thing is, it's a great atmosphere and a climate for salvation because anybody that has a foundation that isn't Christ-like is going to be weak and just, it's going to be like walking in sand and it's going to be sinking. And they're going to be looking for people that have hope, that have an answer, that have a reason. And I believe, Salem First, y'all got some good answers. Y'all going to have some wonderful things for people, and people are going to come to you. Do you know that people come to you because they're drawn for some reason? I remember one time I was um, working in construction, and I was praying in the morning, and the Bible says in Peter, it says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And be ready to give a reason to anybody asked for the hope that's in you. And it says you give the reason and you give it to them with meekness and with fear. Knowing that, hey, I'm no better than you, but I'm giving you the reason. But the, 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 the scripture said, give an answer to anybody that asks. And I prayed that morning. I said, Lord, nobody, you know, nobody's really asking me right now. And so I ended up working with this one foreman. His ashtray was so full of cigarette butts that it was sticking out like this. When he opened the door, cigarette, uh, empty cartons of uh, uh, marbles were falling out. And uh, he was giving me a ride. We were carpooling. Roll down the window, bro, if you're going to smoke. And so he started talking. He started talking about this Christian counter. And then he started asking me that moment about God. And I said, what? I said, Lord, if you're answering my prayer, I don't know. But are you ready to give the answer for the reason? I said, so I'm going to start talking to him. And I started talking to him. Before that time was over, at the end of the day, that hardworking young man gave his life to Jesus right there at the job site. Come on now. Check this out. He gave his life to Jesus. Not only did he give his life to Jesus, but he went home and he had one of those Acts 20, 20 or Acts where he went and burnt all his old records, burnt these magazines, and just surrendered his life to God. And then that following Sunday, he brought his wife to church. And guess what happened? Dang, she got saved too. How does that happen? 
God was preparing this young man. As far as I know, he don't smoke, he don't drink, he don't do none of that anymore. But he prepared him. But he wanted to do great things in his life. But he is waiting for somebody who's crying out, who's preparing their heart, saying, God, give me somebody I can share the gospel with. You know that, here, I'm going to give you a scripture right here. The Bible says in Psalms, delight yourself in the Lord, and what's he do? Gives you the desire of your heart. You know why he gives you the desire of your heart? Because as we delight, as we prepare our heart before God, as we just delight ourselves in God, he puts things in your heart, and he's not going to put nothing in your heart that he isn't going to fulfill. That's why it comes to pass. Let us delight in the Lord. Let us worship God. Let us make a sacrifice to our God. Let us make a place of prep where this place is a house of prayer. Jesus said, I'll make my house a house of prayer. Let us make it a place of, of refuge, a place of safety, a, a place where backsliders could come in and just say, you know, I've been bad all my life. I've been running, but guess what? They're coming back and they got a place where they can know that the Father's house has something for them. Come on. And let me tell you, there's a lot of backsliders out there. They're watching the news like, dude, time is running out. I need to get right with God. God wants to bring people, people that's never heard the gospel before. I'm going to close with this one little teeny story. My wife and I were doing an outreach in, um, in um, uh, Hillsboro. And when we did that, uh, she was working with young kids. I was doing the adult, I was teaching John, and she was teaching these kids. And one of the kids, you know, she was teaching these kids, they'd never heard the gospel before in their life. They're, we're teaching them, and then after a few weeks, we got around Easter, and she was going to talk about the resurrection, so she told them that uh, the kid, uh, she told them, she said, they killed Jesus, and the kid's only this big. I see Rachel there, does that mean I'm going long or what? Okay, don't mute me, I'm almost done. I'm ready to close. But the kid, little kid said this when my wife said they killed Jesus. This is what she, he said. They killed Jesus? Why would you kill Jesus? Think about it. He's heard about him walking on water, all these wonderful things, and all of a sudden they found out this great man is being killed. He couldn't understand it because it's never been told before. You know, there's people right there, 20 feet away, that's probably never heard the word of God at times. The true word of God, not just give me money, let's bless ourselves, but God loves you and has a plan. There's people within all our reach who tell people about Jesus. God wants us to be that way. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I know I'm going a little bit long, but guess what? I'm going to go a little bit longer because I'm going to give a chance for an altar call. If um, musicians, are they here still? Or? Okay, I know, you know, they'd be like, I'm off the clock, I'm out of here. Just a little music, just a little music in the background. You know, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for you. You might even be a backslider that's in here, or you might be somebody that's never heard about Jesus or never had a relationship with Jesus Christ ever in your life. I'm here to say today that God loves you and has a plan, and he's knocking at your door. And if you will open that door, Jesus Christ himself will come into your life, change your life, and he will have fellowship with you and have an everlasting relationship. With everybody's head bowed,
and nobody looking around. If you want to receive Jesus Christ today, you say, I want Jesus to come into my heart today. Just raise your hand if you want Jesus to come into your heart today. Say, I've never had him before, or I've already had him, but I've backslidden him. One of those sheep that's gone far away. If you want Jesus Christ to come into your heart today, just raise your hand. Amen. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Come on now. I see that hand raising for he wants Jesus to come into his heart. Anybody else? There's other people in here. You, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're, we're any better than you. We just heard the call. We, we listened when God was knocking. We said, God, you've been knocking a long time. It's, I, I'm tired of running. I, wanna, I want you to come in. If you want Jesus to come in today, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. I see that other hand. Come on now. There's other people too. Maybe you already know God, but you just say, Lord, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a stage actor. I don't want to look like I'm all religious and got it all together because I don't. I want Jesus to change my life and I want a fresh start. If you're that person, please raise your hand right now. Right now. Raise your hand. Right now. Hallelujah. Raise your hand right now. Amen. I'm going to ask you that have your hands raised. I know it's, it takes a little bit of courage, but to come up here, I want to pray with you that you will receive Christ right now. If you'll come up to the front. Don't be ashamed, bro. Just come up to the front, man. God loves you, man. He's got a wonderful plan for you. Come on. Give the Lord a hand clap. Give the Lord a hand clap. That's awesome, bro. God loves you, man. He loves you, bro. He loves you dearly, bro. He wants to give you a fresh start. Come on, my friend. You all right, man? All right. Okay. You, you can turn this mic. You can turn the mic off on me. Have you ever given your life to the Lord before, bro? You backslid. Okay. You too, bro? Look, you guys are here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. We love you. We want to help you make that breakthrough because it's a breakthrough, bro. It ain't going to be easy. It's going to be tough. I backslid too, bro. I know how it is. It's a tough deal. But God's with you, bro. He loves you guys. He has a plan for you guys. And I'm going to work with you. We're going to work with you. But God's going to do it. So all you got to do is say, God, I'm going to say, you say this prayer after me, but I'm going to tell you what we'll do. You say, God, forgive me. I've sinned. I've done wrong. I want you to come into my heart right now. I want to live for you right now. I don't want to play around no more. I want to be on the right side. I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for shedding your blood. And I ask you to help me to live for you from this time forth. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for coming in. Look, guys, I'm going to get you... Trevor, I mean, Trevor's going to get you guys a number. I'm going to call you this week, man. We'll go, let's do lunch. Let's do anything. I want to be with you guys, okay? You know what I'm saying? I want to help you guys. You get his, these guys' numbers. They want to give their lives to the Lord. They just gave their lives. They recommitted. Get their number. We're going to work with them. I'm going to start a class probably within a week that will help new people that make that breakthrough so we can get some foundations working. Because, bro, you're in it for the long run, man. Come on, man. What's what I'm talking about, bro? Come on. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's the battle. It's the battle. It's the battle, bro. Understand. You too, my friend. Okay? What's your name? Sean. Sean and Joe. Joe. Sean and Joe. 
Let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank you for Sean. I thank you for Joe, for the courage they had today just to stand out and say, Jesus, I want you. I pray in the name of Jesus from this time forth, we come against the enemy, the devil that has harmed them, that has drugged them down. We pray, God, for freedom that they've never had before, the freedom of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you will transform their lives from this time forth. They will not be the same. They will not be the same. But you will destroy the works of the devil, Father. Bless these brothers. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations again, my friend. God bless you, brother. I thank you, Lord. All right, bro, I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you, bro. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap. Luke 15, 15.10 says this. There's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one person that gives their life to the Lord. Two people gave them their life to the Lord. They're celebrating now. They're not being all quiet. They're not being like, they're saying, look, somebody acknowledge what Christ did on the cross. And so I want you to pray for these brothers and pray for the sisters that got saved last week. And keep them in prayer. We're going we're gonna to do some follow-up and help them in discipleship because we're not just about seeing somebody pray and just go on. We want to help them and walk through it. We want to be by their side. We want to encourage them. It's a breakthrough. It's a tough road sometimes to come back. I know I did it before. God is faithful and able to keep them. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this service today. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, how you speak to people's lives, Father. I pray for every single one of us that you would draw us by your spirit, that you would continue to draw souls to do a major work in people's life. We give you the glory and we give you the praise. Amen. You can give the Lord a hand clap and you all release. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.